your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 363 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. And we got a lot to get into today. We're going to continue our dive into New York Ranger free agency. We're going to talk about at least one restricted free agent on the team, one impending restricted free agent that is, and also going to do a little bit of a deep dive on what exactly restricted free agency entails. It is a little bit more complicated than unrestricted free agency. Of course, unrestricted free agency, uh, if you're an unrestricted free agent, you can just sign with any team and that's pretty much all there is to it. Uh, Also going to be talking a little bit about the world championships that are currently being contested in Latvia. There are eight Rangers competing for various teams. So we're going to get into uh, what's happened in the tournament thus far and how the Rangers have fared uh, so far in this tournament. And also we're going to celebrate the 27 year and one day anniversary of a very, very important moment in New York Ranger history. A lot of you can probably guess what it is, or you probably at least have an idea of what it involves. But like I said, we're going to start today with restricted free agency and probably just going to do one player today. But first, I just wanted to give a little bit more of an explanation on what restricted free agency entails. There is an outstanding article written by Wayne Jones on HockeyAnswer.com. He really explains restricted free agency to a T. I will try to go through the cliff notes as quickly as I can here so that it doesn't take up the whole episode. But like I said, you know, I mentioned this in a recent episode. It's one of those things where I do, for the most part, understand restrictive free agency, but it's also one of those things I have to sit down and kind of review it every season because there are a lot of little intricacies to the entire process. So here's the long and short of it. I hope I can keep this to a minimum, but here we go. So basically, when a player initially enters the NHL, usually through the draft, they sign an entry-level contract, and it's usually between one and three years. Uh, Most entry-level contracts, though, are three years. And so a player who is drafted or signs an entry-level contract with a team has their rights held by that team for either a minimum of seven years or until they are 25 years old, whichever one of those things comes first. Once a player has reached the seven years or the 25-year-old mark, he becomes an unrestricted free agent if and when their contract expires. Anytime after that, anytime after they hit their seven-year uh, mark in the league or they're 25 years old or older. Now, when a player is a restricted free agent, they are allowed to sign with any team, but, and this is absolutely huge here, the team that holds their rights, the team that drafted this player, is allowed to match any offer made to them. And so obviously this very much restricts Uh, what a restricted free agent can do. They don't have really a lot of say. If their current team matches any offer from another team, then they have to stay with their current team. There's nothing they can do about it. If the offer is not matched by the current team, then the team that signs the player must give compensation to the player's old team in the form of draft picks based on the dollar value that the player is signed for. Offer sheets are very rare, and they're almost always matched even when they do happen. So once again, you know, the restricted free agent, he doesn't have a lot of say. He pretty much has to stay with the team that holds his rights. And so obviously, all of this means that the 
way it's set up right now, and I, I believe this has been a topic of conversation around the league, potentially changing this in one way or another, but right now the system is weighted against any player that's in his first seven years of NHL service. He's going to have to stay with his own team. He doesn't have a lot of say. He doesn't have a lot of movement. He is, of course, restricted. Restricted free agents can also be traded while they are restricted free agents. And what happens here is that the team who owns him, like say the Rangers, we're going to talk about Julian Gauthier today. So let's just use him as an example. If they want to trade Julian Gauthier, he's a restricted free agent right now. So basically uh, what the Rangers would do is wherever they're looking to trade Gauthier, they would give the team acquiring him the permission to discuss a contract extension. So that way the team that acquires Gauthier doesn't get caught flat-footed. They're able to get a new contract in place and, uh, you know, sign Gautier to uh, whatever contract and whatever amount of dollars that uh, both they and Gautier feel is appropriate if they can come to some kind of an agreement. And there's other stuff too. There's qualifying offers, there's salary arbitration, but, you know, again, I don't want to spend the entire episode talking about this. I just want to kind of move things along here. We got a lot to get through today. We will dive into qualifying offers and or salary arbitration if and when it kind of comes up during this entire free agency period for the New York Rangers. But for now, like I said, want to talk about at least one more impending restricted free agent for the Rangers. We did talk about the two unrestricted free agents in previous episodes, Brennan Smith and Jack Johnson. But today, like I said, we're going to move on to the RFAs. And the first one is going to be Julian Gauthier. And just so you guys know, I'm not really covering these RFAs in any specific order, but Gauthier is just a player that's always kind of intrigued me, really, ever since the Rangers traded for him. Uh, first of all, he's still very young, just 23 years old, former first-round draft pick. He was taken number 21 overall by the Carolina Hurricanes back in 2016. And then in February of last year, the Rangers acquired him in a trade with the Canes in exchange for defenseman Joey Keane. Keane was a former third-round pick by the Rangers in 2018, and Keane actually made his NHL debut this past season playing in one game with the Hurricanes. But yeah, with Gautier, you know, he's done very well for himself in the AHL, and he does seem to have that unique blend of size and speed that doesn't exactly grow on trees. He's a little bit in the vein of a Chris Kreider for some context. You know, Gautier is six foot four, 225 pounds. Kreider is 6'3", 217 pounds. And it seems like Gautier has been able to use those tools to his advantage in the AHL, but not so much in the NHL, at least not yet, at least not in the 47 games that he's played thus far in his NHL career. And we'll get to his AHL numbers in just a minute so I can kind of illustrate my point for you guys. But let's start, first of all, with his stats from this past season with the New York Rangers. So he skated in 30 games, scored two goals the first two of his NHL career, dished out six assists, had eight points, and was a minus six overall, put 38 shots on net, averaged nine minutes and 38 seconds of ice time, and that was actually up from his 839 mark from the year prior. Also had 56 hits and nine blocked shots. So it was a small step up from the previous season, 2019-2020. In that season, obviously, he split his time between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers before he was traded for Keene. But he played five games with the Canes, played 12 games with the Rangers in 2019-2020, totaled no goals and three assists. He was also a plus one, put 10 shots on net, and between the Canes and the Rangers combined, averaged eight minutes and 16 seconds of ice time, also had 15 hits and seven block shots in those 17 games. So again, he's only played a total of 47 career games. It's a small sample size, but I wouldn't call it 
you know, a microscopic sample size. I mean, 47 games, you know, you're starting to get your feet wet a little bit, and it's probably time to pick it up uh, at that point. I mean, I know he's still very young. He's still very early into his NHL career, but it's probably fair to say at this point that you would have probably been hoping for more from someone who is a former first-round draft pick uh, 47 games into their NHL career. Last, he's only got the two goals and the nine assists. But it's hard to know what to think with Gautier sometimes because, you know, I mentioned his success in the AHL, and it's not like he's completely lit up the American Hockey League in his three seasons there, but he has put up uh, solid, respectable numbers during his time, particularly his last season in the AHL. But I'll just go through his three seasons in the AHL with the Charlotte Checkers, and of course, this is before the Hurricanes traded him to the Rangers. But you've got 2017-2018 skates in 65 games, once again with the Charlotte Checkers of the AHL. 16 goals, 9 assists for a total of 25 points in those 65 games. A step up the next year in 2018-2019, plays 75 games, scores 27 goals, dishes out 14 assists, so 41 points in 75 games. And then in 2019-2020, 44 games with the Charlotte Checkers, scores 26 goals and notches 11 assists. So 37 points in 44 games, creeping up on the point per game uh, plateau in the AHL there. But once again, you know, that scoring touch, I mean, this is somebody who scored a lot of goals, 69 goals in just three seasons with the Charlotte Checkers, and it just hasn't translated. He's got two goals in 47 games in the NHL. It could still happen. We're going to talk a little bit about Gautier's long-term uh, potential upside in just a second, and we're also going to talk a little bit about whether the Rangers would look to protect him or not going into the expansion draft uh, that the Seattle Kraken will be participating in in just a couple of months. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app right now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you will get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Something else that I wanted to talk about as it pertains to Julian Gauthier is going to be the Rangers' upcoming approach to the expansion draft. Uh, there was a recent article by Larry Brooks, but he basically just laid out uh, everything that the Rangers are very likely to do and where they might have uh, some decisions to make. 
And first and foremost, I mean, we will dive into the expansion draft in a future episode. Like I said, we got a ton to get through today. We will get to the expansion draft and the Rangers approach in greater detail in a future episode. But for now, just to kind of run through the gauntlet as it pertains to the Ranger forwards, you've got Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider. They all have no move clauses, so they must be protected, and they would be anyway. I mean, you would have to obviously think. And you got to figure Pavel Buchnevich, Ryan Strom, Philip Hedl, the Rangers are going to protect all three of those players as well, unless the Rangers throw us a heck of a curveball. Uh, but that pretty much leaves us with one spot as far as the forwards are concerned. And that means that the Rangers would only be able to protect one of the following four players between Kevin Rooney, Julian Gauthier, Brett Howden, and Colin Blackwell. And every other Ranger forward that I did not mention there. You know, your Capo Cacos, your Alexi Lafreniere's, all those guys are exempt because they haven't spent enough time in the NHL to uh, be eligible to be taken in the expansion draft. But it's an interesting decision and one that I don't think Julian Gauthier would have even really been involved in if David Quinn was still the head coach because anybody who watched the Rangers this season, I think you guys can pretty much tell and you probably picked up on what I picked up on and that's that Julian Gauthier just never seemed to be a favorite of David Quinn. I mean, multiple benchings. He was in and out of the lineup as a healthy scratch the entire season. He was off in street clothes while Brett Howden got to continue playing. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, they did have Julian Gauthier on the third line, you know, the first few games. But that's another thing. I mean, whenever Gauthier was actually out there, they usually had him on the fourth line. That experiment of putting Gauthier on the third line did not last very long at the beginning of the season. Now, to be totally fair to David Quinn, I don't think Gauthier really did enough to help his cause. He didn't really uh, chip in that much offensively. And he also was, at times, a liability defensively. And it's one thing, listen, if you're a point-per-game player and you're just kind of so-so defensively, then I think that a coaching staff can probably live with that. But when you're a quarter of a point-per-game player, as Julian Gauthier was this past offseason, they're not going to tolerate also being kind of shaky defensively. And I think that's why Gauthier found himself in the doghouse as often as he did and found himself as a healthy scratch as often as he did. I'd still like to see Gauthier get a little bit more of an opportunity because, you know, when it comes down to those four players I just mentioned in the expansion draft and which one you want to protect, I think for me, it probably comes down to either Colin Blackwell or Gauthier because with Blackwell, I mean, he played very well kind of out of nowhere this season. He died near the end of the season, but so did every player on the Rangers. And with Gauthier, the reason why I'd be intrigued by protecting him is because I think of all those players I just mentioned, he clearly has the highest ceiling. It, it's at least possible that Julian Gauthier still becomes a great player in this league. Those other guys, you know, they bring certain things to the table and they're solid in certain areas. I don't see any of them necessarily being superstars. But Gauthier, if he can get around, you know, his defensive deficiencies, if he can get around the occasional foolish penalty. There was a game against the Flyers last year on March 15th where Gauthier had eight penalty minutes and the Rangers ended up losing that game five to four in overtime. Now, I think one of the penalties was at least a double minor. So at least it was really just three different infractions rather than four different infractions. But still, I mean, that's just an absolutely terrible night. And it really cost the Rangers because they ended up losing that game in overtime. And needless to say, but Quinn made him a healthy scratch in the game that followed that. So I'm intrigued by Gautier. Like I said, I will dive into this in greater detail, the expansion draft in a future episode. But I still think that there's some untapped upside for Julian Gautier that may not necessarily exist with the other forwards that I just mentioned. Kevin Rooney, hard-nosed player. Uh, Brett Howden, good penalty killer. And Colin Blackwell kind of came out of nowhere to have a nice season this past year. But 
Could any of them really become stars in this league? I don't think so. With Gautier, I think it's at least possible he could become a star in this league. I mean, maybe not like truly elite, but kind of like maybe that second tier of players. Not a complete superstar, but just a rock solid, uh, good offensive player. It's at least possible with Gautier. And under a new head coach, which obviously the Rangers will have in the coming, you know, weeks and months, however long it takes for them to pick somebody, uh, that could very well determine Gautier's future on the Rangers. Because whereas Gautier didn't seem to be a favor of David Quinn's, somebody else might come in and say, all right, I can fix this kid. We're going to make him into a big-time player for this team. He's going to be in a top-six role before you know it. It's at least possible. And, uh, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on who the Rangers hire as the next coach and what their opinion of Julian Gauthier might be. And like I said, we will dive into the expansion draft in more detail in a future episode. But for right now, we got to move along. We're going to be talking about the World Championships and more specifically, the Rangers playing at the World Championships. There are eight of them. We're going to get into all that in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the World Championships as promised, and more specifically, the eight Rangers currently competing in the World Championships. This tournament, of course, is being contested in Latvia. Latvia is seven hours ahead of us, and as I was just saying, there are eight Rangers currently competing. For the United States, you've got Kevin Rooney, Colin Blackwell, and Zach Jones. For the Czech Republic, you've got Philip Hedl and Libor Hayek. On Sweden, you've got Nils Lundqvist. On Canada, you've got Braden Schneider. And on Slovakia, you've got Adam Huska. And to just kind of bring you guys up to speed on the tournament, or the competition, rather. I mean, I keep calling it a tournament. Basically, uh, there's two groups of eight teams, so 16 total teams, and each team plays a round robin within its own group. So each team will play seven, I suppose, preliminary games, and then the top four teams in each of the two groups will advance to the tournament portion of this competition, and it'll be single elimination from that point on until we get a... Uh, world champion. And to just kind of run through the Rangers, again, participating in this tournament, I just gave you their names, but to just kind of bring you guys up to speed on what they've done so far. For the United States, we'll start there. You got Kevin Rooney. He's played in three games. He's a minus one. Colin Blackwell has also played in three games for the U.S. He is a plus one. Zach Jones has played in three games for the United States. He has one assist and is a plus two. I think a lot of people are rightfully going to be keeping an eye on Zach Jones. He got off to a really nice start with the Rangers this season. Uh, looked very comfortable at the NHL level. Looked strong on both ends of the ice. Seemed to know when to pick his spots to jump in offensively and when to kind of hold back. He ends up collecting four assists in his first 10 NHL games. So that was obviously great to see. And it's also great to see him playing for Team USA and uh, just continuing to hone his craft and hopefully use this as a way not only to represent his country and potentially get himself a championship, but also just to get ready for the next NHL season. Because you got to believe Zach Jones, as far as an opening night roster spot, if he wants it, it's there for the taking. I mean, he's not going to just be handed it to him from whoever the Knicks Ranger coach is going to be, but you got to believe there's going to be a lot of competition. We talked about how competitive it's going to be among these Ranger blue liners going into next season. Because as of right now, I think the only three guys you can say for sure will be on the opening night roster are Truba, Fox, and Lingren. Beyond that, I mean, maybe Ke'Andre Miller, I would say he probably has the inside track, but 
I wouldn't say it's a guarantee, and there's going to be a lot of uh, Ranger defense and gunning for that spot. So Zach Jones, uh, hopefully, once again, just taking that next step in his hockey career and uh, getting ready to roll for the next NHL season. And then as for the Czech Republic in the World Championships, you've got Libor Hayek. He's played in all three games. He has one assist and is a minus three overall. Another defenseman that could be in the mix, trying to earn his way onto the opening night roster for the Rangers next year. And then you've got Philip Hedl. He's also playing for the Czech Republic. Three games, he's got one goal and one assist. He is a minus two overall. And then as for Team Sweden, uh, Nils Lundqvist has absolutely been tearing it up for, for Team Sweden. Three games, one goal, four assists. So he's got five points. This is a defenseman. He's got five points in just three games. He has a plus two overall. Now, he did have four points in one game, and that was during a 7 to nothing victory over Switzerland. So you get the feeling uh, Sweden versus Switzerland there, probably a little bit of a mismatch. But nevertheless, it's still a goal and three assists in one game for a defenseman. Take nothing away. Uh, Lundqvist, in that game against Switzerland, scored Sweden's sixth goal. He had the primary assist on Sweden's third goal. He also had secondary assists on Sweden's second and seventh goals. And uh, prior to this four-point outburst that Lundqvist enjoyed here, he also had an assist on Sweden's third and final goal of a 4-3 loss to Denmark earlier in the tournament. And then the only player left, actually two players left. First of all, you got Braden Schneider for Canada. Uh, Schneider, as you guys probably remember, also represented Canada in the World Juniors uh, this past winter. So far in the World Championships, he's skated in three games, has no points, and an even plus-minus. Schneider is actually playing for Jared Gallant. Gallant is somebody who I think a lot of us Ranger fans are kind of keeping our fingers crossed that he might end up being the next head coach of the Rangers. I don't want to speak for everybody. I've heard from a lot of you guys. Some of you like Gallant. Some people want to see the Rangers maybe go in a little bit of a different direction. But either way, definitely somebody who's certainly in the mix to be the next head coach of the Rangers. And according to our friends at Bet Online, uh, remains the favorite. But Gallant is coaching Team Canada, and uh, Canada's first game was a 2 to nothing loss against Bob Hartley, who coaches the host team Latvia. And it's interesting because that's a matchup of the two men who are arguably the two most likely candidates to become uh, the next New York Ranger head coach. But it's weird with Schneider because he's barely been playing in this tournament. The first game, Canada only had 10 skaters dressed, and Schneider played a minute and 33 seconds. The second game, they had 20 skaters, and Schneider played 3 minutes and 50 seconds. And then the third game, they had 20 skaters, and Schneider didn't play at all. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. I searched all over the interweb trying to find some answers. And in fact, Canada is about to uh, play in a game here this afternoon, starting in a little bit here. So maybe I'll watch that game and try to figure out what's going on with Braden Schneider. But yeah, just kind of strange. Uh, Schneider's barely seen the ice. And then the only other Ranger participating in this uh, competition is Adam Huska. He's playing for Slovakia, but he has yet to appear in a game. So that's pretty much it. Uh, as far as the World Championships are concerned, we'll continue to cover this tournament a little bit in the uh, days and weeks ahead, particularly if any of the Rangers does anything uh, especially noteworthy. We talked about how Lundqvist had that four-point outburst in the one game and uh, Philip Hedl off to a nice start as well. But we'll definitely keep our eye on this competition. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, go USA. I mean, it's my home country and there's three Rangers playing for it. So I can't imagine why I would uh, root for any other team. But yeah, definitely gonna be a lot of fun. You got this going along with the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, what more could you ask for? But uh, changing gears a little bit here, it is time to talk about uh, just one of the most important moments in the history of the New York Ranger franchise. And that happened 27 years and one day ago. Mark Messier guarantees victory with the Rangers down three games to two in the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils all the way back in 1994. And, you know, talk about delivering. It's one thing to guarantee a victory. I mean, that's you're really sticking your neck out. But to come up with the kind of performance that Mark Messier did, it's the stuff of legends. It's so dramatic that I think Hollywood 
might even turn it down. Like, it would be too over the top even for a Hollywood script. Like, okay, so the captain's going to guarantee a win, and then the Rangers are going to fall behind 2 to nothing in that game with their season on the line, and the captain is then going to get a natural hat trick to basically put the team on his back and win the game. No way. That You're jumping the shark there. That's pushing it too far. I mean, you can't script this stuff. You, you cannot make this stuff up. And young or old, wherever you were in your life, wherever, whoever you were with when you watched the game, I don't think you'll ever forget it. It's a game for the ages. Uh, and for anyone who might be a younger fan and wasn't around to see this, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that because you missed just an incredible uh, playoff series, an incredible Game 6 performance by Marc Messier. But again, just for the cliff notes or for anybody who might need a refresher, the Rangers, again, they're down three games at two against the Devils. Mark Messier doesn't like what he's seeing from his teammates, thinks there's too many worried faces in the locker room, and he goes on record and guarantees that the Rangers will win game six in New Jersey to keep their season alive, and they fall behind two to nothing in this game. So they're about to be eliminated. I mean, the Devils have had all the momentum in recent games. They won games four and five, including game five in the Garden, and here, here we go again. You know, the Devils are rolling. Messier picks up the primary assist on a goal by Alex Kovalov near the end of the second period. That makes it 2-1 to one going into the third. And then Marc Messier with a natural hat trick, an empty net goal uh, to complete the natural hat trick. And the Rangers win the game 4-2. to two. And then, of course, Game 7 was even crazier because the Rangers were up one nothing in that game on a goal by Brian Leach. The Devils tie the game with, I believe, 7.8 seconds remaining. I'm not off by much there. It might, might be like 7.7, but you get the idea. Very little time left. And the game ends up going into double overtime. And, of course, Matteau, Matteau, Matteau. He wins with an overtime goal, the wraparound goal to beat Marty Berdor, and send the Rangers to the Stanley Cup Finals where there was more drama, but the Rangers eventually beat the Vancouver Canucks in seven games. But you cannot say enough about the job that Marc Messier did for this team, about the kind of leader that he was. If he doesn't say, if he doesn't guarantee the win, and he doesn't come through in the clutch like he did in Game 6, uh, we might still be talking about the curse of 1940, and we're getting near Boston Red Sox territory because we're... Yeah, if the Raiders don't win the, the Cup in 1994, we're 81 years right now since the last time the Rangers won a Stanley Cup. That's really scary to think about. But yeah, I mean, just a performance for the ages, uh, a moment for the ages. And once again, anybody who's a hockey fan, you will never forget that for as long as you live. And it was really cool. And I remember, um, just to tell a quick story about this real quick here. So Messier, obviously the guarantee in Game 6, and then Game 7 happens, and the Devils get that that just goal that just gutted you late in the third period to tie the game, send it to overtime, and ultimately double overtime. So my parents are both huge New York Ranger fans, right? And they obviously got me into it uh, from a pretty young age. And something interesting about my mom, whenever she's watching a, whether it's the Rangers or whatever sport it might be, she tends to be a little bit pessimistic. You know, she tends to think like, oh no, something's going to go wrong. Uh, what if they can't do it? What if they're going to lose? It was the exact opposite. When that game went into overtime in Game 7, and it's do-or-die time, and you're either going to score a goal and go to the Stanley Cup Finals, or you're going to give up a goal and have your season lose in just crushing, absolutely devastating, heartbreak fashion, for whatever reason, my mom was the exact opposite watching this game. She had a very positive feeling about it. She kept thinking the Rangers were going to win. She had a really good feeling about it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So I don't know if maybe my mom willed them onto that victory or maybe Ranger Nation collectively was trying to keep the positive vibes going and just kind of willed that team to a victory. I don't know what happened, but obviously a very unforgiving situation in the Eastern Conference Finals against your rival. Next goal either sends you to the Stanley Cup or just absolutely gutsy and ends your season. Just absolutely wild stuff. There are people to this day that still make the claim that that is the greatest 
and I don't say this lightly, but that is the greatest Stanley Cup playoff series ever played. And I would not argue with that. It was absolutely unreal. The, the physicality in that series, uh, prime Mike Richter against a Marty Berdour, who was just coming into his prime. Uh, you could tell these teams didn't like each other. Messier's guarantee. Uh, I mean, what what else could you what else could a series be missing? You know, three of the games went into overtime. Just absolutely wild stuff. Uh, the Rangers basically just survived an absolute battle with this team, and ultimately uh, they end up lifting the Stanley Cup after beating the Canucks in seven games. But had to relive that moment, man, because it was 27 years and a day. Uh, to this day ago, and again, just one of the most amazing stories, one of the most fun moments if you're a New York Ranger fan. Absolutely had to uh, just talk about it here on today's show. But that's going to pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, LeBron James and the Lakers get even against the Suns. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.